We're live. What's going on, people? This is the Road to Real Walk family, and we are back again with yet another episode. <laughs> another episode where we bring you all of the good knowledge. Okay. Yes. Another episode where we're going to be discussing some of the problems that our community faces today. Mm-hmm. Another episode of Can I Chime In? Can I chime in, please? Another episode of Let Me Land, Let Me Land. <laughs> Reset the room, bro. Another episode of Crinkum Crankum. <laughs> Back with myself, Gabs. Myself, Mr. Game Changer. And your girl, Ore. And we are the Real Talk, Real Walk family. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, where you're listening, thanks again for tuning in. We really do appreciate you. Right, so today we are going to talk about Christians who who are questioning their faith, leaving their faith. I think one thing I've been realising and seeing a lot, I've been seeing a few threads on, on Twitter and whatnot about, about people leaving their faith. So it's definitely interesting to kind of have that conversation just to really explore why we think that is, what some of the causes may be, where we kind of go from from here, and, and just kind of like break break it down, really, um, guys. What's what's your thoughts on on like people stepping away from the faith? Like, do you feel like there's a general consensus, or do you feel like there's a general reason behind it? Is there some? Is there a strong factor that kind of leads people to leave? Especially if you see like a pattern, or if there's a few people leaving within a short space of time. Do you feel like there's there's like a, a main cause or do you think the, all the causes just vary from one to the other? Hmm, very interesting one. I think there's, um, as with a lot of things, there are multiple reasons uh, for, for for this topic or this, um, this, um, this theme of deconstruction. Um, it's, it's it, for a lot of people, it, it's rooted around grasping the 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 reality of one's life against what the bible says or what the god's reality um what the bible espouses god's reality to be and so when you look at the two and you realize i've been a christian one two three five ten twenty thirty years um and there's a lot that um i've i've not been able to live up to or they've there's been a lot that i haven't seen in my life from what the bible says um, then one can ask question and, and, and one of the age old questions, especially um, that even I think some people think it's a very modern question. But no, the the early church and when I literally mean the early church, I'm talking about the first century, um, second century, third century church. These are the sort of questions that came up. Is God good? If God is good, why does evil happen? That's probably mm. one of the most age-old questions that that relates to Christianity. Not even, you know, is the is the Bible real? Is this? It's it's about it's the question of God's nature, and we've been, you know, the 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 church at large has been battling that question for so long, and and ultimately, a lot of the questions that people do have about Christianity, a lot of it revolves around those two basic questions. It's really about the nature of God. If God is good, why, you know, did my auntie who served in the church for thirty five years? Why did she get killed in a car crash? Or why is it that we prayed for her when she had cancer? My uncle, he had cancer, sorry. And we we prayed, we believed, we trusted that God would heal him. And he didn't. But then 
you know, other people are getting healed of cancer and they're unbelievers. Like, why does it happen? Why do good things happen to, why do bad things happen to good people? Those kind of questions there. And so a lot of believers, especially the ones that I, I know personally, or I've come across, especially over the last 10 years, um, have been going, uh, have, have, a lot of them have left the faith because of stuff like that. There's things like, you know, other things like racism, um, homosexuality, um, sexism. These are other, you know, reasons why people have left the church. Abuse, trauma. These are other reasons why people have turned to deconstruction and then try and use that as a as a tool to do analysis of whether it's really real. So, but yeah, I just thought that rather than giving one answer, it's not a one answer thing. There's so many reasons as to why. You know. Yeah, no, of course. Before we go further, break down the, the deconstruction. Um, all right, talk to us about the deconstruction and what that looks like. I think for a lot of people, when they say, "Oh, I'm deconstructing my faith," I'm deconstructing my beliefs. It usually comes from a place of where you've grown up believing certain things to be true without really questioning them, and you're now at a place where you want to break down the foundations of your beliefs, break down mm. why you believe what you believe, and break down sort of Christianity and what it means to you personally. And that's what I would think when people use the, the terminology deconstruction in the church. I don't necessarily think it's, it's not necessarily a, a, a like a political or biblical term. I think it's just, it's just a worldly term that we're using to, to define where we're at in our faith at that particular point in time. I don't know why I'm saying we, cause it's not me, but where people are at in their faith. When we when we talk of this um, deconstruction, do you feel like we can do it by ourselves, or do you think it's best to do it with other people? Because my thinking is, if we are obviously in like a difficult place, or we're questioning our faith, or we're seeking God for certain things and He's not providing, so we're starting to have doubts, and 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 some of the other reasons that obviously Iman you've you've already mentioned. Mm. Do we think that we're going to be in the best position to deconstruct in the best way possible, or? Should we need like uh, a senior or some sort of guidance when going through this period? On the flip side, I can imagine somebody thinking, well, deconstruction is for oneself. So getting guidance from somebody else might not be the best thing to do because they could obviously sway your thinking, sway your opinions. Mm -hmm. So just in your opinion, what do you think obviously is the best way to look at it? I've, I've personally never been in that position where I'm deconstructing or I'm questioning my faith or I'm having severe doubts like that mm-hmm. to the extent that I might come... I mean, I would never go on Twitter and rant anyway, but I've never been at that point where I would question uh, my faith, I would question certain things. So mm-hmm. we're, um, how, how do you think for you personally would, would, would be the best way for someone going through that process? I think that there's there's an individual responsibility, obviously, as you're asking the questions, um, but then the, the the challenge is this, right? If you're if you're a Christian and you're deconstructing the faith, and then you turn to you um, you turn to the Bible and say, right, I'm going to try and look for the answers myself. What one could then do is then read through the lens of your agenda, um, your and your agenda could be genuine. It could be um you're genuinely searching out things because you want to to be knowledgeable about it and not just be like a sheep and just get but if you don't know how to for example the bible says being able to rightly divide the word of truth if your interpret uh, interpretation skills sorry interpretation skills if they're off or they're not 
um, strong enough or mature enough to dissect passages and scriptures or mature enough to study some passages and, and wrestle with some passages, then the lens of your pain, the lens of your trauma, the lens of your offense, the lens of your personal experience, the lens of your, well, I'm smart, so I think I'll be able to deduce, deduce this thing, um, will seep through. And that's, and that's the thing. And so even though there's no one perfect way of interpreting the scripture, there are better ways of, in, there are, there are many better ways or uh, tools that we can use to interpret the scripture, but we have to do this in a guided manner. And that's where you're going to need people to help you and support you on the way. You're going to need mature believers. You're going to need people who are good at, at what they do in, in terms of interpreting the scriptures or being able to answer questions from a uh, a historical or contextual perspective, mm. you know, so and they're what, not giving you a biased answer. That's what I was thinking, bro. I was thinking, yeah, if you're if you are in that kind of position where you're going through deconstruction, you definitely do want to speak to mentors or you know people above you or people who are more seasoned in the faith for sure, right? But then I can just imagine like the 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 argument against that would be. Yeah. I don't want to take on their opinions. He's just going yeah. to be giving me his interpretation or she's just going to be saying this to keep me in the faith. She's not going to give me uh, um, an opinion that's not biased or he or she is not going to direct me in a way that I need to. They're probably going to direct me to keep me within the church. Yeah. It's easy. It's, it's very easy to say that. And it's that argument is very understandable. You, but the problem with, with humans is that you can never not give an answer that is biased. <laughs> if you uh, use we both support arsenal right uh, but think of think of the different disagreements we've had based on on the same we support the same club same players same manager uh, but we disagree about we disagree about loads of things i have uh, i will have a bias towards certain thing and you will have personal biases towards certain thing it's the same way with the scriptures some people might have a bias i'm more old testament than new testament i'm more poor than this person i'm more this, uh, I'm more reformed than Pentecostal. I'm more X than Y. And it's like, we can never get away from that. But when it comes to conversations about deconstruction, what I can do or what a mature believer will do is go, this is what I understand and believe of scriptures. This mm. is not to coerce you. This is not to make sure that you're on my side, but this is to give to give you a, a view of that is um, that allows me to reason with you. And I think that's what we have to do as believers. I have to be able to reason with you. Like when we're doing evangelism and, you know, Muslims are asking us questions or whatever, my sole purpose of engaging with you is not to twist you over to my side. That's Jesus's job. Jesus's job is to work on you. My job as a believer is to be able to give an answer. Always be able to give an answer. That's what the Bible says. So my responsibility is to give you an answer and say, based on the scriptures, based on um, uh, a historical, uh, literal, contextual um, interpretation of the scripture. This is what it means. Bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. This is my submission to you today. If you take it, you take it. If you don't, you don't. You have to then go away and ponder and come to your own conclusion. That's why, for example, like that's why I'm very much a big um, believer that every believer has to have an encounter with God. Every believer has to have an encounter with God. Yes, we read our Bibles. Yes, we sing songs. But you have to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Like, if you don't have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, I feel like, you know, it will be very hard for you moving forward. Like, for example, Paul the Apostle, mm -hmm. 
He was knowledgeable about the scriptures. He was knowledgeable about the writings. This guy couldn't spot Jesus from a mile away. But then on his way to Damascus, Jesus has to knock him off his horse. He has a personal encounter with Jesus. And then Jesus teaches him for a number of years. And then he goes out back into public ministry. I just feel like maybe this is another, we, this is segueing into something else. But I think that it, like a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean Jesus Christ is sitting at the foot of your bed going, I'm going to take you to heaven and show you hell or whatever. But I'm just talking about that transformative work that, that shows you that, you know what, there's something on the inside of me that is, is changing me and conforming me to the image of Jesus Christ that I can't put my hands on. That That's more of what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I, I do hear that. I think it's definitely interesting, obviously seeing some of the stuff that do happen online and obviously the people turning away from the faith and that sort of stuff. And like I, like I was saying, like, but before we started recording, our, our generation went through the same thing. Um, we were, we were going at gospel events every single weekend without fail, without fail on a Saturday, there was a gospel event starting from 5 PM up until like 10. Um, every Saturday we were always linking up, always events. Obviously we didn't really use Twitter them days, so we was always writing Facebook, we was always doing Facebooking, writing Facebook statuses, having Facebook debates, writing notes that were stored on Facebook. Um, there was even gospel clothing, several gospel clothing brands. Um, so obviously the scene was quite strong. The scene was quite prominent. In the mm. in the same in the same way that I see it now, it's probably not as prominent as it was in our generation, but there's still something. Obviously, now it's just called Christian Twitter, whereas you know, they just share their opinions, Christians debate and all that sort of stuff. Of late, I don't really see much happening with Christian Twitter. I feel like Christian Twitter has died a death. Good or bad, <laughs> debate for another day. But I'm 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 slowly seeing obviously um Christian Twitter, you know, having these debates and people from Christian Twitter are no longer, you know, screaming about their faith as they probably were during Clubhouse days, for example. Mm. Um and obviously just seeing seeing the transitions it's always, it always reminds me that, you know, this walk is never really easy. And it's very, very important to obviously have people within our community, within our circle that we can always talk to. That's why I just feel like the deconstruction alone is probably not the best thing to do because we certainly do need like wise counsel around us. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And that's, that's obviously not to say that, you know, one doesn't understand what people are going through or don't understand why people question, why people have doubts. Because I mean, it's, it's completely understandable. I've seen people that I, I talk to, people that I know that are no longer in the faith and I can understand why because of their experiences or because of the people that that were teaching them and, and they're questioning certain beliefs. And mm. it obviously, it, it places people in a difficult situation. Do you know what I mean? One mm. thing I do find interesting though is that when somebody does, when somebody prominent or somebody known comes out and tweets that, you know, they're no longer a Christian or they they announce that they're no longer walking in the faith and they write a long thread. Several Christians just get behind them like, yes, and start co-signing and they're like, I'm so glad you spoke in this and and I'm I'm so happy that you know you're open about this. And then they now start subtweeting, oh Christians, we we need to start relaxing and we need to start chilling whenever people are going through things and this, that, and the other. And it just makes me think, look, what side are we on here? Like what what is our role when somebody, you know, denounces the faith or somebody steps away from the faith is it our role to now be like yes i'm so happy that you're open i'm so happy that you're able to speak christians oh we're gonna start dragging you because of your behavior towards other christians and you need to stop doing this to other christians or should we take up the role of oh like you know 
um, I'm sorry you got into this position and what can we do to help? What can we do to support and, and et cetera? Mm. All right. Do you want to chime in on this? You know me, I'm always... Yeah, I think... Um, I don't think it's... I don't think it's about being Maybe on one not. side or the other because every situation is unique and, and the reason that each individual leads the faith, those reasons are unique to the individual. And mm. I do think... Um, that there's probably a place for for both sides. I think that there is a place for sometimes, sometimes if sometimes people do leave the the church or leave the faith because of the way other Christians have acted and behaved. And when that is when that is the case, sometimes it is for some Christians to, to call other Christians out and to say we need to do better. Equally, people do leave the faith for for other reasons. And I I think that nuance is, I don't think it's as black and white as, oh, we should be on this side or we should be on that side. I think that each situation should be taken for what it is. We should listen, have the conversations that need to be had in the church, think about what the things that need to be changed, but also to realise that life is really, really tough and it's difficult for a lot of people. And sometimes when somebody chooses to leave the faith, it's because sometimes they just need to be loved or sometimes it's because life has has just become difficult and it's difficult to reconcile what the bible says with with the difficult situation that that person is going through and i think that there's room for understanding of that as well um so i guess my opinion is a bit unpopular it's a little bit different it's a bit out there but i'm one for sitting with people in their pain in their grief and in their asking the difficult questions and and being understanding of that because life isn't really easy and sometimes it's not until your faith is rocked or until your faith is tested that you really um are either more assured of your faith or you go the other way Uh, i do hear that it's definitely interesting for sure what's your thoughts on that what's what do you think our role is when it comes to um like popular people on Twitter or wherever coming mm. out and speaking about how they're no longer Christians and explaining their reasons. Yeah, I mean I mean I saw um Joseph Solomon recently do it and I know Joseph Solomon was close with the um the Perrys um and I think he was um I think he was quite engaged with like reformed theology and stuff like that but Either way, just seeing people like him, for example, his first response was like, nobody should call me, you know, to to be saying, you know, I've departed from the faith and try to ask questions to try and win me back sort of thing. Just leave me to do my own thing. And I think that we have as Christians, um, as much as we want, you know, as much as we love our brothers and sisters and we love, you know, the fact that people are saved and stuff like that. I think that we all, we have to be very um, sensitive in that we are not trying to, it's God that does the work. And your job as a believer, sometimes the best answer for you is to be is to be the best reflection of Christ that you can possibly be, as opposed to try and win in arguments. And I feel like for for so much, um, for for so many believers, especially in this day and age amongst younger believers, it's about winning battles. It's about who's right. Um, mm. and, and it's not actually about, are we growing together? Are we growing in the love of God for one another? And so for someone who's left the faith, my advice would just be to, to continue to be a friend. It's not about, it's really not about the, the theological, um, you know, uh, as Wilson going back and forth and stuff like that. 
someone has they ha- a, a lot of people have genuine reasons for wanting to leave the faith mm. and so you have to be sensitive to that and as long as you're understanding your responsibility as a believer is to want to continue to pray for them and believe that yeah that yeah they had they 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 know god they've had an experience or encounters with god but that god will do a work on them and that and that god would touch their lives and that he would reveal himself as the truth just as he does for you like you also you could have found yourself in in that position and and, and sometimes some people have been in that position but they show a lack of grace a lack of empathy to mm. to people that are are now in that position and so i think for me i i'm very gentle with people like that for me i'm 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 more about you know just being a consistent friend and being a true friend to them as opposed to trying you know try and find out all the reasons why they left the faith when they're ready to have that conversation they will some people don't want to have that conversation because of what it means to them it means unraveling a lot of pain it means unraveling a lot of hurt it means going down a deep dark hole and so i'm i'm not the one to do that is jesus that is the healer is jesus the is the jesus that can heal the heart and so for me as long as i'm being loving first corinthians 13 what is love I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm not envious, I'm not boastful. I'm not boastful in the fact that you I'm still in the faith. I know loads of scriptures, you know. I'm, you know, still, you know, I'm still getting preaching engagements. No, it's rather my humility. I want you to know me by my humility and your love for you. Um and as you're praying for that person, pray for yourself because uh-huh. sometimes we just make it out like the other person is a prayer point and your life is no. The, the, we're instructed in the New Testament that it says, he that endures to the end will be saved. So we all have a responsibility to endure and you will go through the testing of your faith. And mm. I love James, talk, James the, the apostle James talks, talks about how, uh, how the testing of your faith produces patience, long suffering. And, it, and ultimately, in fact, that's going to be the scripture that I'm going to use for the end of the thing today. But yeah, ultimately, it presents you as a matured believer in the end. And so you will face diverse trials. You will face many things that conflict, like conflicting thoughts like, OK, but that's what the Bible says. But this is what my reality says. So what happens here? How do I then bring the two together? Because there's a big disparity here. But it's God that as long as you take it day by day, it's God that will take you through these things. And I don't want anyone listening to this thinking that we've all got it together. Are t- I wrestle with scriptures. I will get my amplified NLT, ESV. I'll get my lappy out. I'll get my iPad MSG. out. I'll get the Greek. I'll get the NLT. <laughs> I'll get everything out. I'm studying. I've got my... I'm Because I'm trying to figure these things out. And the honest truth, guys, is I don't have all the answers. And I'll be a very big liar to tell you if I have all the answers. There are some things I do not have a clue about. I would love to know I don't know. I ask God about and I'm like, God, I just don't have the answer. I would love to know because this thing is rattling my brain. But for me, my responsibility as a believer is to hold on to what I know is true. And for me, I know where Jesus took me from. I know what he's brought me from. I know what he's doing in my life currently. And so that is good enough for me to to hold on and to keep trusting in Jesus. But then the final thing I will say is, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews that for we have a high priest who knows what we go through. He knows our infirmities. He knows your pain. He knows your questions. Like when Jesus was on the cross, he was like, before he went to the cross, sorry, the Bible describes that Jesus prayed to the Father, Lord, 
if possible, can this cup pass over? Like, if possible. Jesus knew that there were challenges in this world. Jesus knew that there were some things that people just wouldn't understand. Mm. But then he comes to the end of himself and you know what? He's like, Lord, in all of this, your will be done. And I, w- I, I really do believe that in this life, we will not get all the answers. But do not allow the fact that you don't have the answers for everything to be the reason, the very reason why you walk away from everything that you know is true. Mm. Don't let just... No, that's true, though. I think that's a good point to make because I remember there was... I can't remember what episode, but I remember there was one episode and I I raised some questions and literally all three of us, literally, there was nothing we could say. I can't remember what question it... I can't remember what questions it was, Mm. but we literally was just like, that's where God comes involved. Mm -hmm. And because like you said, there's some things... and you Like, you know the typical questions that, you know, Christians come out with, oh, um, my mom, dad have cancer, but yet, God forbid, by the way, but yet my mom, dad have cancer, but yet she was always praying. She was always there for everybody. Why, God? If you're real, then why is my boy in prison, even though he was serving you and he was doing this for you? Um, why did this plane crash when, you know, Eddie Long was on it and Eddie Long was doing X, Y, and Z for the church, the community, and, and all of these people that, especially when it comes to death, that's an area where, it's so easy to to question God, to question a faith, or when it comes to sickness or health, for example, mm-hmm. is another is another topic, another area to really, really question God. And I think I definitely agree that there's there's definitely some questions, even some questions I thought to myself or I've I've had conversations with, and it's just like, boy, we we have the questions, but we definitely don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I don't think it should deter us. I mean, easier said than done, but obviously it shouldn't deter us from stepping away from the faith completely but i just think when you've got questions that have been unanswered alongside um you questioning the doctrine of the church you're in for example alongside going through some experiences where you're seeking god and god's not hearing you or um you're seeking god's hand for example and and you're not really receiving what you want or you want him to bless you you're not receiving the blessings or you want a new job and it's not coming to you or you've been praying to god for for a man the man ain't coming you've been praying to god that you know you start a business every business you have is failing and all of these things just life basically is slapping you in the face or adulting is just hitting you hard and Mm-hmm. all of a sudden you start getting to that place where you know it's easy to kind of question god and stuff mm-hmm. and i think it happens amongst a lot of young people like like i was saying earlier within our generation a lot of young ones definitely did step away i think it's it's probably easier to to really serve god when you know in your youth because you know you don't have you know the pressures of life coming at you and all of the things that adult in kind of throws in our faces mm-hmm. um and obviously as we get older we start to have various more we'll start to have many more trials many more tribulations and I understand why people get into that place of deconstruction because life is really life and at that minute and it can it does kind of get very difficult or you might just end up in situations where you feel like God is nowhere to be seen. And at that point, that's when it's just like, God, if you're real, like, where are you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and this is what I was trying to say before. When Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Okay, perfect. I was just basically saying when you were asking about the role of a Christian and this is where I was saying, What's important for us as Christians is that we sit really with people in their grief and we meet people where they're at because, like you said, life is very, very tough. I mean, if you didn't know before, 2020 and beyond, I think everybody has seen, if they have an experience, has seen how difficult life can be. And when you're going through all of that on top of trying to decipher, is God really a good God, when that's what the Bible says that God is, it's 
these questions are tough and, and they're difficult and they're, you know, they're very deep philosophical life questions, not just for Christians. I think everybody has these questions. Mm. And I think it's really important for us to sometimes just sit in the, like, we don't always have to give this biblical answer because sometimes there really is no answer to give when people are grieving. There's just nothing that you can say that's going to help that person. Mm. But um, I think what's most important is just that we meet people where they're at, pray. And like Iman said, I really like what you said in the beginning about, um, having that personal encounter. And I know there are some Christians, especially those that sit on the reform side, that will say, well, you can't really rely on your experience to prove that God is good because ultimately experience can 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 lie to you. But what you said is very, very true because ultimately when you do have that um, encounter to fall back on, sometimes when when you're in the, when life is really life in, it's the encounter and the experience that you know that you know that you know that you experienced and you knew where yeah. you were at. Mm-hmm. It's what really brings you to your knees and is like, okay, God, I know you're real, but I, I don't understand what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately what all we can do is continue to pray for, for those little God moments and personal encounters to keep happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spot on. Uh, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you. I even feel like, like, for example, even with, you know, when you were saying like when someone is grieving, like the Bible doesn't say quote scriptures to them. It says mourn it's with true. those who mourn. Mm. It says weep with those who weep. Sometimes it's not your your answer is in your weeping with people who are weeping. Sometimes the answer is mourning with people who are mourning and not trying saying something, you know, not trying to say the right thing. Um, and it's not that people are doing that out of a bad place, but we're trying what you're what what you're you know subtly doing is you're trying to make yourself the answer. Oh, well, I know this is the reason why God did. God did it because he had, you know, a better plan or whatever. That's not what someone, someone who's just lost a family member, that's not what they're trying to hear. You know, God did that. He has, no. a, he has a plan. He wanted to take them early. Now, that's not what the family needs to hear, my friend. And I, I know you may mean well, but it, it, there's, instead of giving, you know, a smart answer, just mourn with them. Just grieve with them. Grieve with them. Just be there for them. And I think that's that people who are it's not necessarily they're going through grieving. That's that grieving is not reason is the reason is grieving is not the reason why they're deconstructing. It's just your presence and your consistency. And that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes. There was um there was um a testimony I heard of um a man whose dad was an atheist and his dad was a very stubborn man. And this guy, like, you know, he was a preacher, you know, very consistent, but there was um his dad was very, you know, solid on the view that God doesn't exist X, Y, Z. And he was kind of like, he had gone to Bible school and all of that. So he was very knowledgeable about the scriptures. And he said he spent many years trying to win his dad, you know, argue his dad into the faith. And there was one year where God was like, look, I didn't tell you that that's how your dad's going to come into the faith, but your love towards him is is really going to be the answer. And he said one year, two year, three year, five years, 10 years, and after many years like of him just being loving to his dad, going out with his dad for meals and just going out on, you know, date nights with his dad and stuff like that. When his dad was on his deathbed, one of his dad's final actions was like, son, I want to give my life to this Jesus. I've re- I really know what it truly means to be loved by God because of how you behave towards me, how you've changed towards me, not trying to fight me, not trying to argue with me or whatever. Mm. And that spoke volumes for me. And that's obviously it spoke volumes for the man himself, but that spoke volumes to me because it's like, as a believer, 
it's easy to try and sh- try and show your theological prowess, how strong you are, how knowledgeable mm. you are, not just with the scripture, but history and all of this. And and Clubhouse did show a lot of this where people were very prideful and they lacked empathy, they lacked heart, and they were just trying to, you know, win debates in Clubhouse rooms and stuff like that for those who weren't well, on Clubhouse. Let's talk about that. Why, why is yeah. there that, that element of pride where, you know, we do kind of have theological debate so we do kind of want to show whose doctrine is greater like where 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 did this come from like i um if i may i actually do think that there's something to be said about having sound doctrine so when i was saying all of that stuff don't get me wrong i honestly think that um where things got better for me in my walk with christ is when i really started to like get my doctrine together all that encounter stuff is absolutely amazing when you're a new Christian. And like I said, when you're going through something and you want to know why you believe what you believe. But there comes a time when you have to move from the milk to the meat. And you need to know, especially in this day and age now, with everything that's happening and all of these different... Um, the way it's so easy to just get swayed, with gone with the wind, go this way and that way, especially with everyone is looking for an answer. Everybody's looking for something when, when the going gets tough and when things hit the fan. So... For me, I have found that knowing knowing my doctrine and knowing why I believe what I believe, secondary to the personal encounters and stuff that I've had, knowing why I believe what I believe and having a, a, a worldview, a framework that isn't easily swayed has really, really helped me when the going gets tough. And I think that's why sometimes people will debate and debate their theology and cling on to it because they want to be right so badly. Because if you start to, um, when we're talking about deconstruction, if one piece of your worldview falls away and you find out it's not true it can be a very traumatic thing so i think people need mm-hmm. to people that's why people are so eager to to be right with their with their doctrine that's why people go back and forth because they want to know that you know this is why i believe what and even the bible talks about being able to defend your faith so don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not saying um i'm not anti-doctrine and sound doctrine i just think you know there's a balance and i can see both sides to be honest with you yeah that's a very good point because with that, I feel like, and I, and I don't like when people do this. When when I know there's some there's cons to it when people foot just make their Christianity about experience and experience and experience. But okay, let's put it like this: the disciples are changed and transformed because they come into an encounter with a man who is the son, who's not just the son of God; he is God. And they encounter this person who turns water into wine, who heals the sick, who raises the dead, who causes blind eyes to see, who feeds them. And they don't necessarily have, you know, a bank account per se, who they were on, they were on the seas, the storms were raging and he calms the storm. But then at the same time, this God that they've encounter, encountered, sorry, allows them to to establish what we know as doctrine today. Like I used the example of Paul earlier. Paul was a knowledgeable man in terms of the Jewish scriptures, but then he encounters Jesus and then every, the lines the, 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 the lines begin to come together. Like it makes sense. And I think it's where the spirit and truth come together and not trying to not trying to go one oh it's all about sound doctrine yes it's about sound doctrine but why does the bible say come taste and see that the lord is good taste and see that the lord is good there's an experience of god that you need to have you wouldn't need if god was just a uh, if god was just words on a piece of paper 
I can understand why people would argue and say, it's just about sound doctrine. Sound doctrine doesn't mean that one doesn't encounter. Sound doctrine, it's only... I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna throw some spanners in the work because this is something that the Lord has been showing me over the past couple of years. Sound, what what makes doctrine sound? What makes doctrine sound is the fact that it's been tried, it's been tested, and it's been proven to be true. If love wasn't patient and love wasn't kind, if love wasn't patient and love wasn't kind, why do we read First Corinthians at everybody's wedding? First Corinthians 13 at everybody's wedding. It's because it's been tried, it's been tested, it's true. Love is patient. The love of God is patient. It is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's been tried. It's tested. And it's true. So there's a fruit to it. That's why Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of a spirit, the spirit. It's not just head knowledge. There's an experience. There's an encounter that people ought to have. Okay, there's patience. There's kindness. There's long-suffering. There's faithfulness. There's all of those things. And so it's not that the two of them are separate. And, and people, because I hate when people try and, do this false dichotomy thing where it's like, yeah, the two of them are separate. No, encounters are for sound doctrine. Encounters encourage what 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 make us understand sound doctrine to be true, because we is tested out. We have faith in a God that is real. If God was just words on a page, you can't call it sound doctrine. But it's sound mm. because we've encountered this God in different ways. The way I got saved was different to the way Gabs got saved. It's different to the way Ore got saved. But there's, there are things that we can jointly say that prove that God is real, right? Yeah. So how, how, do you, how do you think we can... Because obviously what you said is what you said is good and I like it. How do you think we can prove our doctrine to be real? And by our, I mean obviously each individual. Because obviously everyone's got their own, their own doctrines and stuff. How, how do we prove our own individual doctrines? I don't, I, the, it, and I think it goes kind of goes back to the point I was making before. I don't, I'm not trying to prove... I'm not trying to prove to anybody that my doctrine is better than yours or my doctrine is, you know, great or fantastic. What I want people to see or the aim of the essential part of why I'm doing what I'm doing is Ephesians 4 is so that one, I'm not swayed by every wind of doctrine, but that two, that I grow in, I grow in the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. That's what Paul the Apostle says. So ultimately... Yeah, just just to stop you there quickly, I think, yeah. I, think, I think what you said is really, really good as well just now is having a doctrine that's so strong that we're not swayed by other people's doctrine. And I think that's right. probably a big issue that we have amongst our communities. We've got several people with different doctrines, different beliefs. And when having conversations with them, it's, it's very, very easy to question ourselves right. because it doesn't necessarily marry up to another man's doctrine or it doesn't necessarily marry up to another person's belief. And I think at that point, that's when it's kind of like, well, what they're saying might be true, but it doesn't go with what I'm saying. So is what I'm saying wrong? And then we start questioning ourselves. So no, I definitely agree with that. Ensuring that our doctrine is so strong, ensuring that the foundation is so strong that it can't be shaken by other people's doctrines. Mm -hmm. But yeah, continue, bro. But then, yeah, absolutely. And then how much how much of Christ can you see? Because at the end of the day, I can say, yeah, my doctrine is this. I can say my doctrine is that. I went to Bible school. I went to theology. I went to theology school. I my 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 daddy Geo is a is a this and a that. But how much of Christ can I see? And I always go back to the scripture 
when it comes to Christians and our behavior towards one another. Jesus says there's not many things that Jesus says that, that um, people will be able to spot your Christianity by. But one of the things that Jesus does say in the book of John that people will be able to spot your Christianity by, Jesus said, is by your love for one another. Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. So as a believer is my love that is declared in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13 once again. Is my love consistent? Is it true? Is it not? Is it prideful? Is it boastful? If it is, then then we're in rocky waters. But when I can see the nature of Christ in you, and it marries up with what the Word of God says, then you can then you can actually begin to say, you know what? Actually, th there is a soundness to this because his behavior, her behavior, her character, her actions marry up with what the Word of God says that believers should do and should be. So for me, it's not just, oh, how will you know that my doctrine is right? Can I, the, simple, the simplest answer is you will know because of how much of Jesus I am like. Mm. How much of Jesus can you see in me? Not by my lofty words, not by my big, big English, not by how many people follow me on the internet, not how many people I've laid hands on and they've healed, but it's about how much of Christ can you see in me? That should be your Christian witness to the world. That should uh, that will it now that should now be able to help people affirm or attest to the fact that Jesus Christ does live inside this person. That is that that that's the the understanding that I'm really coming to. That how much of Jesus can people see in you? And with that, with that, then there's this grounding that comes in. With that ground, with this grounding, then we can go on to the deeper things, like you know, Ori was talking about. There are more meatier things that even if I do, even if God doesn't do another thing in my life, even if He doesn't give me another ten thousand pounds in my life, I have enough faith to believe that God is who He is because of what He's done for me, and because of what because what the Bible says about Him is trustworthy enough to believe from now to the end of time. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 good, man. How much of Christ do we really have in us? That's that's very very good. And I know this is there is this like belief which I completely disagree with. It's so wrong, but there is this belief that people people think if somebody leaves their faith, their faith wasn't strong to begin with, or mm. if they <laughs> leave their faith, then they weren't really Christians to begin with. Like, what's what's your thoughts on that? Do you think there's any truth in that? <laughs> Ore, what's your view? Ore <laughs> um, first. No, no, I will speak, but yeah, um, yeah. So that I think that belief comes from um, Calvinism, Reformed faith, and specifically like the whole five point, whatever it's called. Um, and I guess the reason that people say that is because that whole five point pillar thing that they believe in, if one fails, then all of them fail. And so if you follow everything through logically, like the de deprivation of man, if you the whole tulip, that's it. So it's total depravity. If you follow everything through logically, then you have to say that man is incapable of, basically, essentially that man is incapable, what they'll believe is man, in, man is incapable of coming to know Christ for themselves. And so, you know, God has to kind of like, the Holy Spirit has to draw you to Christ. In order to keep and maintain the whole the whole worldview or biblical view you basically have to come to the only logical conclusion that anybody who falls away from the faith was not in the faith in the first place now i do not mm. um subscribe to that view that mm. those who fall away from the faith were never in the faith 
in the first place. I've given my reasons. I've said that life is tough. And like we've talked about um, Christianity, the, 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 the human experience and the belief, like it's like you were saying, it's, it's not just about the Bible and about faith. The human experience also has a lot to do with our worldview, why we believe what we believe and how we see the world. So like I said, life is tough. And therefore, when life gets tough and you're, you're met with these difficult questions, you either, it's, it's sink or swim. Fight or flight, mm-hmm. as they say. So you either your faith in Christ either gets stronger or it, the whole thing collapses. And so I do believe that there's room for everything. People change with time. And so I, I do I don't believe I think that you can fall away from the faith because mm-hmm. life can, can can get that way. And mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's just my opinion. I mm-hmm. I mean I could give some scriptures to back that up, <laughs> but I would need to I I need to go back and have a little think on that, but yeah. Have you had any experiences of like people who you may have mentored that like are no longer in a faith? Yeah, a hundred percent. How is that for you? And and what was your what's what's your role in in that? It it goes back for me. I think over time, um, I remember like we were talking before we started the pod. You know we you know, we're in an era, the UK gospel scene, where we saw a lot of man fall off. We saw a lot of man turn to a lot of different things, whether it was becoming atheist, whether it was the, the black Hebrew Israelite stuff, whether it was just some woke, some stuff or whatever, or just some, and a couple guys turned to Islam and a few other things. And so at that time, I remember for me, it was all about arguing. It was all, all, all about debating. It was all about being right and who's got the right doctrine or whatever. And then when you grow and begin to mature and then now being in a pastoral position where, you know, you're shepherding a flock, you, my, you're, you, I've had to learn um, and understand that my approach, you know, ha- has to be so mature and has to be so Christ-like. And so, yeah, it has been the case where some people that I have mentored or some people that I have, you know, been some sort of spiritual oversight for have turned away and walked away from the faith. Um, And, you know, it it is very, it it, it does hurt you. But at the same time, I kind of like, I have to be committed to what Jesus Christ would do. And so I don't cut them off. I, I I still walk in love. We may not talk all the time. Some of them we actually do talk a lot more than others. But my mine is to be that face, that person that you know, that individual that has always been there to be relatable and to show you the love of God primarily, and and to be someone who's a, who's a representative of Christ. If you ask me questions about the scriptures, even if it's a, on a confrontational thing, I'm still ready to answer you, and I'm not going to necessarily feel a way about it. I'm just, you know, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have, I, I still have to be committed to be, being, you know, what, what Christ has asked me to be, whether people accept it or they reject it. My, that's not my, you know, when I was much younger, I used to be offended about these things, but I can't be offended about it. Jesus did say that people would reject him, that people would turn away from the faith anyway. But yeah, I've just got mm. to ultimately walk in that love. But for the previous question, I think one of the um the the biblical premises that people use especially for the 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 theme of once saved once saved always saved is um Hebrews 6 where Paul talks about how can you you know experience the power of God in xyz and then turn how can yeah you you experience all of that and then turn away from you know from from God it's not possible it's impossible it would have been 
is uh, that person uh um what is I'm I'm trying to paraphrase it, but it's basically They were it, not of us in the first place. Yeah, they were not of us in the first place. Um and I believe I think the Apostle Peter or Apostle John says something similar to that as well. And I think that that's where some people get their premise. But life is not li- one thing I've learned is that life is not linear. I have walked so, with people oh. who knew God. <laughs> who knew God, but life beat the hell out of them and it was it was a lot yes people tried to stand by them and pray them through and support them but it was just a lot and i think sometimes people forget that life can be a lot of things mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that god is dethroned because life is tough no we know greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world 100 percent. but sometimes people just sometimes people just give up and that's just the reality of it. I know people who were strong in the faith. So when I see people that just just automatically try and logically go, well, they weren't saved in the first place, that is rubbish. And I think that's a cop-out because what it doesn't, what that does is that they try and find an easy way out of something that was not easy in the first place. Salvation is is the, how it works. Is even a mystery. So then you just go. Is then you will just open your mouth, you know, and then now say someone wasn't saved. How do you know? You don't know. You don't know. Do you understand? So for you to then open your mouth and say they weren't saved in the first place, I don't buy into that. I can understand, just as there's because the, I guess this is the foundation of why um, Calvinists and Arminians have that had that debate about predestination i can understand why some people believe once saved always saved and i have friends who are on that side of the fence but then i have friends who are on the other side of the fence who are like no you can't you can lose your salvation my honest truth and i'll say this publicly i've said it publicly before i sit on the fence why because i see enough scriptures for both sides but i just don't think i'm not sure that there's one clear answer on this case, can you be? What is it? One saved, always saved. Yes, there's good scriptures for that, but there's also good scriptures to show that. For example, um, Paul talks about how in the uh, how in the end times, many people will walk away from the faith. Yeah. Many people will turn away from the faith. So many believers. That's what's what. Your, what's What's your personal view on this then? About faith. That, like I said, I sit on the fence. Oh, okay. okay. I, I'm not. I'm not one saved, always saved. Mm. But then I've. I've also. I. Uh, then at the same time, you know, can you lose? Um, I can understand why people say you can lose your salvation. I'm on the fence because I'm like, I just see, I can see both answers there in the scripture. I just can't support one side. So I do, yeah, the reason why I asked what your personal view is, because there might be somebody who might listen and think, oh, I've always so what, believed that you can't lose your salvation. So <laughs> what am I doing now? Should I now go into deconstruction? <laughs> no, 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 no. What, what, the, what? The, but one of the things that the Bible does submit is that, especially, I think it's in John chapter six. Jesus says, "Those that the Father has committed to me, none of them will be lost." And so, and the Bible also says that Jesus, our High Priest, is interceding for us, interceding for those that the Father has given to Him. So, one of the things that we we know for sure is that those that have been committed to the loving hand of Jesus, Jesus in the end will save them. He will, he will ensure that they endure to the end. So I, I definitely don't believe it's just a trying to wing it through. You have to believe, but this mm. is that believing thing and having faith in Jesus enduring to the end. That is the key. That is the key. It's not, you know, it's not by going to church every day. 
is not doing 40 days prayer and fasting. It's literally that believing unto the end, even whilst you're going through the maddest stuff, even when you go through loss, even when you go through pain and trauma, even when you go through your, your great days, you can you hold on to Jesus and believe unto the end? That That is the biblical requirement, whether you're on the one saved, always saved side, or you believe someone can lose their salvation side. You the, What uh, the Bible instructs of us is that we have to believe unto the end. Mm. I think that's good. I think that's very, very good. Um, we can close there. Uh, what's your scripture, bro? I know you mentioned earlier in the episode you got a scripture you wanted to use. What was was that scripture? Yeah, let me let me pull it. Let me pull it up now. I haven't got it. But if anyone wants to give their final, yeah, Madam Ora, jump in. I really do hope and pray your vocal comes through because me I, can't too. Even see, I can't see your line, and I'm fearing, I'm really <laughs> fearing that it's not going to come through. You know. Oh, hopefully it will. Um, I do think there's a difference between believing and enduring, though. Um, I I think that the I think the reason why people believe once saved, always saved. I I've said this many times on the pod, and I'll die on this hill. And if I'm wrong, so be it. But I truly, truly believe, and I think that the Bible is clear that the only entry, the only requirement for entry into heaven is belief. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you can actually believe in God and move very mad and still get into heaven. So based on that, I, I, think, I mean that's that's what's that what's that thing called? It's grace, but there's that what's it called? Unbelievable grace, I'd be whatever it's called. Anyway, my point is this that and so therefore <laughs> I do think that the that's probably closer to where the Bible would probably sit. I, I'm in agreement with Iman in terms of I can see evidence for both sides, but because I define the criteria for heaven as very narrowly as just to believe. Um, I would argue that um, you don't believe one thing one day and then the next day you stop believing it. So I think it's easy to walk away from the faith and, and be in pain and stuff, but the actual belief in God sometimes can still remain and you just need to kind of work out where you sit and how your whole faith is constructed and what, what pillars are in your personal worldview and et cetera, et cetera. But based on belief alone, that's the only criteria and it's very, very difficult to believe something one day and then the next day you decide you no longer believe anymore. You might just kind of question a few things. So, hmm. You all have done well by Madame Moret. Mm. You should let me not even throw the spanner in the works. With what throw it because I'm interested because, to hear it just no, before because, we go. Because, because some people that are once saved, always saved would then say, would then say how could, what you know, they could argue based on what you've just said that, you know, so then it can be, it could potentially could be true that, you know, they weren't saved in the first place because you've just said it's hard to really change what, what you believe if you really believe in something. How can you then, how can you then turn away? How can you then turn from the, away from the faith if you, if you didn't really, really believe in the first place? Yeah, I hear that. I, I I'm, I'm still with you on that. I do think it's probably somewhere in the middle, and it's probably yeah. one of those things that is kind of difficult to comprehend on this side of eternity. But yeah, yeah, that's just my view. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Interesting one, bro. It's de- it's definitely an interesting one, and that's. I don't. I, I yes, in some senses, I wrestle with it, but sometimes in some ways, shape or form, in some way, shape or form, I'm content with what I know because I I, I can see both sides are very biblical. Um, they're very much in the scripture, but I, I, I feel like there's a point in the middle where the two join. I just don't know how to to explain it. I leave that to God. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I, I leave that to God, but I can, there's somewhere in the middle where where 
you know, the the ball hits the bat and it makes sense. But yeah, I just maybe God will reveal it through someone and someone will be able to articulate it properly. Or maybe we will just on this side of eternity, we won't know. Maybe on the next one. But yeah, anyway, oh, the scripture that I have is James 1, verse 2 to 4. Um, now amplified, which is God's favorite God's favorite translation. Uh, it <laughs> says, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. I feel like this scripture is probably a summation of, of today, even though we were talking about this deconstruction. But for anyone that feels like they're just hanging on to their faith, this is what the Apostle James was saying to, um, to Jews who were dispersed um, you know, from their homelands. And they were going through trials. They were going through tribulations. They were getting burnt. They were getting boiled. They were getting fried. They were getting killed. They were getting thrown out to lions and bears and stuff like that to be killed. And he's writing this to them to encourage them, even through them going through their madness, saying that, look, be assured that the testing of your faith for experience produces endurance. So it kind of backs up what I was talking about earlier, that don't think that, the experience goes against sound doctrine. It doesn't. It actually works together with it to do what? Produce endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and then finally inner peace. That's what you want because then there may be a point where you may never get, you know, another great, amazing, big, fantastic blessing from God. But can you have that inner peace knowing that God is still God and God is still faithful? And be that the case? Yes, because you've you've endured and you've and you've you've allowed the testing of your faith to mature you as a believer and to strengthen you as a believer. So I hope you guys were blessed um, by what we've said today. Uh, yeah, I was no, blessed uh, by it. You know, it's definitely a good conversation for sure. Definitely a good conversation, but food for four, man. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Really do appreciate it. If you've got any questions, by all means, throw them at us. Um, any thoughts, by all means, let us know. Um, social media, Insta, Twitter. Um, we're always available. Really appreciate it, guys. On to the next episode. Yeah. Peace.